Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday morning and I must carve out some time to respond to some of the inquiries that you have been sending in. This morning I'm going to look at one from Sister B who asked for an explanation of James 2 and verse 9. And I'm going to read what it says in the King James Version. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Let me read that again. James 2 verse 9. The King James Version says, But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin. And Sister B wanted to understand what is this text saying? If I respect people, I commit sin. So before commenting, I'm, I'm going to read from verse 1. Then I'm going to provide an object lesson. <laughs> um, I think I might read the text again in the New International Version. And I'll see if I can wrap up with a, with a brief commentary. So James 2, now I'm reading from verse 1 and I'm heading up to verse 9. It says, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place. And say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But if ye despise the poor, do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? It says, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Verse 9, But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law, as transgressors, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So that's the text. So when I read it, I, <laughs> I remembered an incident that occurred some years ago. And I'm going to share it with you this morning. Some years ago, my sisters in the faith convinced me to attend um a weekend women's conference in the beautiful Negril, Jamaica. Hmm. It would have been my first time. And naturally, I had some reservations, but I thought to myself, you know, what could go wrong with over 500 women being in one location? So we drove down the Friday after work and we got to the hotel about an hour or so before sunset. We settled in pretty quickly, got refreshed, and headed to the banquet area for a light dinner. I knew that was part of the package, okay? Unfortunately, when we got there, due to some miscommunication, we learned no meal had been prepared. 
for anyone who had come to the conference that Friday evening. Needless to say, we were all very distressed and some persons opted to go to the local restaurants in the grill for a meal while others opted for fast food. Well, I would have none of it for the most obvious reasons, of course. And so a handful of us negotiated with the kitchen and we were rewarded with a cup of warm peppermint tea and two slices of bread. Friends, it was a long night, to say the least, but eventually Sabbath morning came and we got dressed and headed for the kitchen again. Now, my roommates and I, um, there were three of us. We made our way there at the crack of dawn because after what occurred the evening prior, we wanted to make sure we were there at the head of the line. <laughs> well, everyone appeared to have had the same idea because by the time we got there, the line had sneaked all the way across the dining room. Notwithstanding, we took our places in the line. But after several minutes, it became apparent that either there were some unseen being among us or the servers were up to some covert operation for the line failed to, to proceed and, and the food started to run out. Before long, everyone realized that not only were persons inserting themselves into the line, but there was indeed some clandestine operation on the way. The food was being carted away in packages. <laughs> now you know as well as I do the human reaction to what we saw as favoritism. But for the purposes of this podcast, I will just paint a pretty picture and say that we were filled with righteous indignation. And that morning, again, we ended up having warm milk and bread. And friends, as I sat seething at the table with my sisters and sipping my warm milk, I looked over the balcony and there below in the courtyard was a lovely lady. She was looking as soft as a rose. Beside her were, were two beautiful girls and, and as they chatted away, you know, she laughed and, and she threw her head back in a most delicate and, 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 and purposeful way. But you know what? My admiration quickly turned to anger for on their table, on that lady's table, was an outlay of the most delectable continental breakfast. I remember seeing a huge pitcher of orange juice. They had bowls of fruit, they had bread and other fineries. And I was stunned. So I turned to one of my sisters and I said, do you see that? And she leaned over and she whispered, that's the leader's family. That's his wife and daughters. And friends, right there in my mind's eye, no, I said it in my mind's eye, I took off my shoe. I made an aim for that table and I landed my size 10 shoe right in the midst of her lovely buffet, sending everything flying in her face. I tell you the things that the carnal mind makes us consider. Anyway, back to James 2 and verse 9. I'm going to read it again in the New International Version. And it says, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. So there are two things happening here and I want to share it with you, Sister B and my other listeners. It's favoritism versus divine favor. So the text really says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, we must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes 
and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. Verse 3 says, If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and says, Here's a good seat for you, but says to the poor man, You stand over there, or, or sit at the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Verse 6 says, But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture to love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. In verse 9, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. So I think the point James is making is pretty clear. So let's substitute favoritism for respect because that's what it really means. James is saying here that we should not show favoritism. It sometimes makes us uncomfortable to talk about it, but that's really what he's saying. And he urges his readers not to show favoritism or partiality. And then he uses that specific example about the rich man and, and the poor man and how you can potentially respond to or act towards the, the rich man versus the poor man. So what then is favoritism? Favoritism is, is someone receiving favors or, or opportunities unjustly, while others who are equally or, or, or qualified to receive it, or even more qualified to receive it, is not getting that favor or is not getting that opportunity. But I want to share that there is no favoritism with God. After all, he is just and he's no respecter of persons. Didn't Peter come to that? realization when he he was commissioned to take the gospel message to the gentile cornelius of course let's look at those beautiful words in acts 10 and, and 34 to, verses 34 to 35 then peter opened his mouth and said of a truth i perceive that god is no respecter of persons but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him friends there's no favoritism with god and neither should there be with us. But have we ever stopped to think that what we as, um, I'd say, fallible human beings, what we might construe as favoritism may be an act of divine favor? You see, they are two completely different things. And sometimes we run the risk of casting an, an incorrect aspersion or, or an incorrect judgment. Did you know that at one point Israel questioned God's impartiality? Oh, yes. And, and there are few just few places within the Bible where Jehovah seeks to, to provide man with an explanation of why he does what he does. And in Ezekiel 18 and verse 29 is such an occurrence. Here's what it says. Yet said the house of Israel, the way of the Lord is not equal. O house of Israel, are not my ways equal? Are not your ways unequal? God says, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, said the Lord God. You see, friends, 
God knows our ways. He knows the hidden workings of our heart. Therefore, if he favors someone, it is for what he sees in that person and the relationship that he already has with that, with that individual. And it's regardless of what you or I might feel about it or what you or I might, might think we know. Samuel, in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, the Lord reminded Samuel and said, Look, I see, not as man sees, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So let's take a few examples where divine favor was misconstrued or could have mis been misconstrued as favoritism. In Esther 2 verse 8 and 9, several beautiful women were taken to the king's court, if you remember that story well. So in, in that text, it says that Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Hegai, who had charge of the harem. She pleased him, listen, and won his favor immediately. And he provided her with beautiful treatments and special food. He assigned her seven female attendants selected from the king's palace and moved her and her attendant into the best place in the harem. I can only imagine that some of those girls maybe wanted to throw their shoes at Esther. <laughs> but guess what? Esther was walking in divine favor. It wasn't favoritism. So here's another one. In Acts 7 verses 8 and 9. Let me read it. It says, Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave, as a slave, and here's the caveat, as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Hmm. Foreigner turned ruler. Prisoner turned prince. Favoritism? Mm, no. Divine favor. And how about this one? In times of limitations, Matthew 6 verse 31 to 33 says, So don't worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. For the pagans run after these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So while everything is running out, while food is scarce, and there's not enough to go around, here's how Isaiah puts it in Isaiah 58 and verse 11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. So what's the lesson for us here? God expects us, one, God expects us to be impartial in our dealings with those we associate with. Do to others as we would have them do to us. Galatians 3 and verse 28 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. So God expects us to be impartial in those persons that we deal with. And here's the second thing. 
Be careful not to judge what might appear to be an act of favoritism. It could actually be a manifestation of God's divine favor on someone's life, making them blossom, <laughs> even in a sun-scorched desert. Okay, Sister B, I hope it's a little clearer. I have certainly thought about it and learned a lot today. So keep those questions coming while, I guess, once again in my mind's high, I need to go and take my shoe off that sister's table. God bless you and have a great day.